This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi, Cardinal fans. I'm Ozzie Smith. Smith courts one into right down the line. It may go. You're listening to the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Go crazy, folks. Here's your host, Brent McMillan. 15 years since the Cardinals were National League champions in 2004, a record of 105 and 57. Some say it is the greatest Cardinal team ever, despite the fact that they did fall short in the World Series, being swept by the Boston Red Sox, who many would also say felt like the team of destiny that year after they roared back against the New York Yankees in the 2004 ALCS. Regardless, the team was so good in so many facets. If they're not the best team ever, and I think it's probably splitting hairs and would be really hard to identify the best team in Cardinal history because there's been so much winning, but if that team isn't the best, they are certainly in the discussion, and I would think in that top three to five range, without a doubt, on most people's rankings. With all of that, I say welcome. My name is Brett McMillan. Glad that you could jump in with us as we talk about the 2004 Cardinals today. Those guys were in town this past weekend for a reunion, and we got a chance to catch up with quite a few of them. Most of the roster was represented here this weekend. A few guys weren't uh, available, one of them being Albert Pujols. Of course, he's still playing. Larry Walker wasn't able to come in, um, and and I think the Edgar Renteria was the other guy that I know wasn't there. There may have been a few others, but most were, were able to be here. And we got the chance to catch up with Jeff Supon, Reggie Sanders, Matt Morris, Jim Edmonds, Scott Rowland, the GM, Walt Jockety, and of course the manager, Tony La Russa, as well. All of those conversations are ahead on this episode. We hope that you join us for all of them, and we also hope that you join us on Friday, August 9th. It's flashback to a decade remembered by Big Mac homers, the birth of the internet, pop music, and sitcoms. It's 90s night at the ballpark. With the purchase of a special theme ticket, fans will take home a 90s-inspired Cardinals t-shirt. Get your tickets at cardinals.com slash theme. It's a black t-shirt, and I think it's kind of paying homage to the show Friends. It says Cardinals in a way that kind of looks like the Friends font, and on the back of the t-shirt, there's a Cardinal logo, and it says the one where they go to Bush Stadium. So if you're a fan of Friends, fan of the 90s, you were born and grew up in the 90s like me, or you just want to come out and watch some Cardinals baseball as they take on Pittsburgh. It's a 7-15 first pitch on the 9th of August. All right, let's jump right in here with this 2004 reunion. We gathered uh, over at a ballroom not too far from Bush Stadium at a property, and they were having a nice brunch and then got to meet with the media, and that is the time where these interviews occurred. We did these for a dual purpose— our television show, also by the name of Cardinals Insider, will air a story about this group here in the coming couple of episodes. So some of the questions you'll hear from guy to guy are going to be the same. That's by design because we, we know that the same question might elicit a different answer depending on what position they played or if they were in the front office. So not everything is a duplicate, but you might hear one or two questions uh, posed to a couple of guys 
within the sequences of these interviews. We'll begin with Jeff Supon. He was a hurler who had some big starts for the Cardinals in his career. Maybe isn't heralded the way that some other guys were, but really was reliable and took the ball in some big spots for St. Louis, including Game 7 of the NLCS in 2004 when he outdueled Roger Clemens and sent the Cardinals to the World Series as they won Game 7 and down to the Houston Astros. We begin with Jeff. He's our first guest here as we relive 2004 on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Well, let's let's start with that Game 7 in the NLCS. I mean, Roger Clemens, that is something you're going to tell your grandkids about, I'm sure. What do you remember most vividly about that night? Well, I remember um, it was my first Game 7. And I had faced Roger um, five times that year. And I think he basically almost won them all or, or not. Uh, you know, we had a few no decisions in there, but it was always a battle. And he, he was just a great competitor, and it was it was great going against him again. Um, I remember Roland hitting a home run, um, and I remember was that when Jimmy made that catch? I believe so. Yeah. I do remember that. <laughs> That's about what I remember. But that was a, it was a good it was a good win. A lot of people remember that Edmonds catch for sure. Just that team in general, it just seemed like even if they were down two, three, four runs after a couple of innings, there was just a sense like you guys were going to score, you were going to win. It felt inevitable sometimes, at least to the fans. Did you feel that as a pitcher, like even if you, you gave up a run or two, that that offense was going to score almost on command? 100% that is, that, that is what we felt. It was, it was how we were going to win. You know, you came to the ballpark expecting to win, and it got to the point where who's going to help us? Who's going to win this game? You know what I mean? And so uh, that's how you win 105 games. I mean, that's a lot of wins and a lot of series that we won. Uh, we always kind of kept it simple, like, hey, let's just win this series, win this series. But uh, in the end, 105 was a lot. I mean, there's so much that goes into that, like you said. A lot of games, a lot of things have to go right, a lot of skill pieces have to be there. But if you had to look at that team and say, that was special compared to other years I played here or elsewhere, what would you put your finger on to say was special about that team? Well, being a pitcher, I would say the starting pitchers. <laughs> um, but the whole pitchers, all, all the pitchers in general, uh, the whole staff, we had five starters make 30 starts or more. I mean, that doesn't happen that often. Um, I think Carp kind of missed a few at the very end, so maybe, you know, we're short a little bit. But we had we made every start. Uh, Ray King, well, I was just talking to him, and I go, hey, how many appearances did you have? 75? He goes, no, 83 before the playoffs. I was like, oh, my gosh. So uh, I, I just remember that pitching staff. I mean, it, the three compartments – we had them all checked off. Uh, hitting, pitching, and defense. I mean, we had a lot of gold glove out there. We had a lot of offense. So, I mean, those are the things I remember. I think 128 years of Cardinal baseball, there's one team that had more wins than you guys, and it was only one, 106. To be a part of a team that owns that record, when you look at, I mean, the grand scope of the history of this club, what's that mean to you to have played on that team? That means a lot. I never knew that. I'm glad you told me that. So, um, but... Yeah, I mean, it's a story franchise. You know, most people that play here wish they would have played their whole careers here. Um, <clears throat> I feel like fortunate enough to have got to play three and a half, almost four years here. Um, but all time to, to be second uh, 
it's a great honor of all the teams that have ever been here. So. Reggie Sanders is our next interviewee. He provided a nice veteran presence, a 17-year big league career. Most of it had come and gone by the time he got to St. Louis, but he was important in that clubhouse, and I remember him having some big hits, I think especially down the stretch that season. It was his 14th in the big leagues out of his 17 that he played. Currently, he works for the Kansas City Royals. I would call what he does, um, I think he does a little TV, but also more so he does what would be the equivalent of our Cardinal Corps, Cardinal alumni that go out and work with minor leaguers and just try to teach them about their approach to the game and the approach to life and, and what it takes to make it in the world of pro baseball as a player. So Reggie seems really happy doing that. He was just gregarious, big smile, seemed really happy to be here with his teammates. I enjoyed talking to him. It's Reggie Sanders who played outfield on that 2004 club. You know, you had had a, a nice long career and were a veteran by the, the time that we get to 2004. So when you kind of looked around that room and saw the talent, at what point did you realize, hey, this team, I mean, they, they may have something really special here? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think when I, when, uh, I signed with the Cardinals um, in 2004, uh, when I knew that I was coming, then I, there was an assessment that already goes into play in terms of before you decide, you know, how could I add value from a player perspective in terms of the culture for the, for the team. And so when I signed, I was like, wow, started looking at the lineup, started really paying attention in spring training and said, wow, there is something special here. And then when Tony cast the vision for the team in, in spring training in terms of this relentless attitude that we need to have every single day, I mean, it, it took us to another level. Was there kind of a sense, because it seemed like to the fans that even if you guys were down three or four runs after a couple innings, it was just inevitable. Like you were going to score, you were going to come back, you were going to win the ball game. Did you feel that way in the clubhouse? Oh, absolutely. And you know, the thing that stands out the most in terms from a culture perspective, in terms of what you're talking about, is that, you know, number one, we're family. So in that family perspective, what you have to understand from a player perspective is that we have to build the trust, we have to build the respect for one another, and then ultimately understand that we have this union and this goal that we're trying to solidify together. And so I think that's the thing that stands out the most in terms of that particular team is that we were able to do it as a unit. Did you see pitches that maybe you wouldn't have seen other years in your career because you look up and down that lineup and, I mean, there's just no good person really to pitch yeah, to? You know, you're absolutely right. From one to nine, I mean, it was a heat of the battle for the opposing pitcher every single time. And so the, 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 the thing is is that you're absolutely right. From, a, from an opposing pitcher perspective, you know, they have that, you know, focus every single time. But every time that when they lost that focus and they kept the ball in the middle of the plate, we did not miss. From Reggie Sanders to another veteran, it's Matt Morris, Matty Moe. He was a veteran pitcher, and I, I asked him about this later in the interview. You really can look back. There's, there's like a, a coaching tree you would talk about maybe in football. Well, now you can talk about a pitching tree in the history of Cardinal baseball because Matt Morris kind of mentors Chris Carpenter, Carpenter, Wainwright, and now Wayno doing it for all the young pitchers that the Cardinals have. So there's this this tracing tree, and I guess really you could even take Morris back to Daryl Kyle, who probably had a big influence on him as well. I'll talk about that with Matt in just a little bit, and we also talk about the 2004 season. That pitching staff was really, really good. I mean, it seemed like the no matter who took the ball on any given night, they had a chance to really go out there and stifle the opponent. And the, the bats are what got a lot of attention, and rightfully so. That club could pretty much score on command 
But the pitching did its part too in the bullpen and out of the rotation. We talk about that with Matt Morris. That was just a phenomenal pitching staff that year in 2004. I'm sure it's way too big of a question even to get into here, but if you had to, to put your finger on why you were so good as a group, what would you say? Um, <clears throat> well, I know the camaraderie was amazing. Um, uh, we all pulled for each other. We all uh, we, we we did some things that that was unusual for teams as far as being in a, a bullpen setting. We'd all all the other starters be out watching and talking baseball and talking pitching and and uh, um, you know we pushed each other uh, in, in the best way possible. There was no you know hope for failure kind of thing, and and we enjoyed each other was the main thing. Um, we were all friends first, and, and uh, the competition, you know, everybody's competitive at this level, but we kept pushing and pushing and pushing, and, and uh, we had a great staff. The offense that year was just relentless. I mean, it seemed like they could score on command. How did that change the dynamic for you as a starting pitcher? Well, I think that allows you to be yourself, you know, and to make pitches and, and to, you know, you, you get down in the first inning, you know you got a real good chance of coming back and they're going to score some runs. So you were able to, to, to pitch in a calmer way instead of uh, um, a pressured way of, oh, if I give up one run, we're, we're, we're done. You know, so beside the offense, the defense was amazing. I mean, they made plays that were unbelievable. Um, and, um, you know, we all enjoyed it. At what point that year did you look around the clubhouse and go, we have a chance to be really special, I mean, in a historic type of way? Um, I, I felt, and I think we all felt, like in spring training, we were a, a real solid team. Um, I think everybody has a shot when they're in spring training, but, but um, us in particular have built this, this team and this level that we were at. And... Um, we, we felt that way, but we were focused, you know, you, you can't, uh, I think we, we were probably the team to beat, and it's sometimes it's harder when you're the team to beat, you know, everybody's out for you, but we stayed focused and we were ready for that. What an incredible NLCS that was with Houston. So many memories, I'm sure, but is there one or two that are vivid that kind of stick in your mind all these years later? I remember Roland hitting that homer, you know, soup out there pitching, and, and I mean, the, the same highlights we see all the time on the big screen. Um, you know, we all put our little piece in, but, but that was like down to the wire type stuff. Uh, I remember Houston, uh, they didn't get a hotel room that night because they thought they were winning and moving on, so that kind of lit a fire under us, which... Uh, um, was, was kind of fun, but it was also a great rivalry. I mean, we, we played the game right. The two teams, uh, it was always Houston and us, and, and um, we played it right, and, and we battled, and we lost some, we won some, but we came out on top that night. There's kind of this line of Cardinal pitchers that really arguably starts with you and leads all the way to Adam Wainwright today, where guys mentored other guys, and now we see Adam doing that in the clubhouse too. What's that mean to you to have kind of been able to, I don't know if start's the appropriate word, but but be a, a key cog in that happening? Oh, it's amazing. Um, you know, and I, it's funny, I was thinking about that yesterday. I think uh, Tom Parchomsky mentioned he's got 155 wins here in the Cardinal uniform or some, somewhere in there. And, uh, you know, I remember when we, we traded for him, him and Marquis came over and he was kind of the player to, you know, thrown in the deal. He was always a talent, but you never know when you're that young. And, 
and um, you know to mentor him a little bit and then to you know carp to pass it on to him and and we always had that link where there was no gap between uh, um, you know some of the better starting pitchers in this organization that we, we all kind of became the same pitcher in many ways with with stuff and sinkers and curveballs and um, and Adams had a heck of a career and uh, I was happy to be part of uh, call it the bank bank of knowledge you know where we just kind of you know add our two cents all the time and and it, it usually works out hey do you remember this moment we're in the bottom of the 12th the pitch Swing a long one. We are going to game number seven, a game-winning home run. Game six, 12th inning of the 2004 NLCS. Jimmy Ballgame walks it off and sends it to a game number seven, which Jeff Supon would win against Roger Clemens the following night in St. Louis. I talk about that with Jim in just a moment. And that great offense, it's Jim Edmonds talking 04 on the Insider Podcast. You played on some, I mean, great Cardinal teams, but a lot of people think that one might have been the best. At what point that year did you guys look around or did you look around and go, I think that we could have a historically good team this season? Well, we started off slow. Um, we struggled a little bit, and so um, we just got better and better, and I think that we just believed that we were, or we could be better than everyone else, and our offense started to really take off. Uh, and our pitching staff did a great job. I think someone said we had three or four 15-game winners, so... You know, when you put together a team like Walt and Tony did, you're expected to win, and I think we knew that. So we just approached it that way. I mean, we were an older group that just had one goal in mind. I think for a lot of fans, they think about that lineup, and it just felt like you guys could score on command. Did it feel that way for you all in the clubhouse day in, day out? It actually did. It really did. Um, you know, you look around at that lineup, and you can see why. Um, one through one through eight was talented and, and did different things and was able to spray the ball around and hit with power. So I think that you know all the years that I was here, I thought were really good, and I think this team was that much more special than most. But uh, you know, I still remember losing in the World Series, and that was the bottom line. How was maybe the pitches that you saw that year different than other years in your career? Because like you talked about, I mean, there's not an easy out there. I imagine guys had to come to you a little bit. Well, I think you're always hitting with guys on base, and that's probably a little different, hitting out of the stretch. The stress of pitching to, you know, the three of us with Reggie Sanders and Edgar Renteria and Tony Womack on base and um, later on Larry Walker. It was just, I think, a lot of stress on the, on the pitching staff for the other team. And, you know, I, we didn't really think about that. We just thought about going out there and doing our jobs, and we thought we were pretty talented. And, and you know, like I said, we, we just went out there and tried to win. And then the final thing, game six, the home run, I'm sure you're going to get asked about it a lot this weekend. Some people say they felt like the stadium was actually physically shaking. What was your experience on the field? Did you feel that? I just went blank. I really did. I don't remember hearing anything. Uh, ran around and, and jumped on the plate and celebration. And really cool thing, but I think when you're a player at this level, you expect that. Um, I, was, I was very fortunate to be in the situation, but I'd been in that situation a million times and I hadn't come through, so finally I felt like I hit a good, you know, got a good pitch to hit, uh, and it was, a great, it was a great celebration. But like I said, when you're in the moment, man, it just goes silent. It's crazy, but I've, I've seen the video a lot, and it uh, looked like it was a lot of fun. From one member of the MV3, that is Edmonds, Pujols, and Roland, from one member, Edmonds, to another, Roland. 
Scott Rowland, of course, could pick it at third base. He gets so much attention for that in his career. But I think sometimes we forget just what an outstanding hitter he was as well. In 2004, he hit 314, 34 homers, and 124 runs driven in. It was a prolific season for a prolific, and I would say deserving of Hall of Fame status type player. Scott Rowland joins us on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. You know, a lot of fans felt like you guys could score on command, which is not really normal in baseball. Within the clubhouse, did it feel that way to, to you guys? There's so, to me, there's so many games, you know, there's so much preparation, there's so much focus and hard work that goes into it that, that we all worked our own way, we all prepped our own way. And, um, you know, we went out there and we were really, which I, I don't know that you see, Oh, I, I can't say that. I haven't paid enough attention. But we were a really diverse offense. There wasn't really one way that a pitcher could go out there and repeat what he's doing and get every one of us out in the lineup. We had we had a lot of weapons from both sides of the plate, and a lot of like you said, diversity as hitters. You know, um, <clears throat> you know Albert Albert's hitting third, and you know we we talked about that. Albert hitting third, and, and he's the one guy that they couldn't let beat him. So that gave Jimmy and I a lot of opportunities, you know, from two different sides of the plate behind him. And, and uh, I guess, you know, Ed, Edgar's driving in 100 and whatever and hitting 15 homers. So you can't strike him out. And, and uh, you know, it's just Womax at the front, stealing bases, getting on base. Larry Walker's a two-hole. I mean, there's a lot of diversity, a lot of power, a lot of ways that, that we could get that guy before he got us. For you, playing third base with the way that that staff was that year, I mean, they were just so good. Does that give a different feel for you as a defender when you're in the field? Well, so they were quick. They threw strikes. And that's age old, and it won't go away. And that's what they did. They worked quick. They threw strikes. They prided themselves on it, and they tried to get the baseball on the ground. And, you know, as I coach my son as I have my position at IU when we're talking about the bigger picture of things to do the, the double play ball is defense you know you got to get the double play ball you got to get the ball on the ground you got to make a pitch and you know we felt like the, the the pitching staff had confidence in the defense behind them and the defense behind them had a lot of confidence in that pitching staff that something happened here something happened there we get some runners on base we're one pitch, one pitch away from throwing a double play and running off the field and seeing if we can get back on the board. People still show the highlights from that NLCS. I mean, people still talk about it all these years later. Was there a, a moment in that that you maybe enjoyed or remember the most from those seven games? Because uh, I'm sure it was kind of a highlight of your career, the competition. No, it was. That was the best series I've ever played in, the best baseball from start to finish, no doubt. Um, the way we jumped out, the way they turned the tide on us and came all the way back. And, and to force a game seven with Jimmy walking off and, and uh and then getting getting down in game seven. But like I said, we were, both teams were pitching, both teams were playing defense, were taking good, good, strong, tough at bats. And, and uh, you know, I remember, I remember staying at second base after it was all said and done with Matheny. And uh, you know, we shared a little moment right there where we stood at second base and watched Confetti come down in Bush Stadium. You know, we kind of pinched each other and said, "Hey, this is great, but let's not forget this." right here. You're never going to see this again in your life. This is really cool. So that's one memory that, that stays with me. Talked a little about the different facets of the team, and I'm sure it's a, a question that's hard to answer, but if you had to put your finger on one thing, the reason that team was just so crazy successful, what would you, what would you say? 
I mean, in fairness, we had about an all-star at every position, so we had a lot of ability out on the field. And like I said, the diversity of our offense was really powerful. Uh, our, our pitching staff was powerful and so mature that, that it just really came, it really went together very well on the field. Another beautiful part of it was we were all friends off the field, which didn't happen a whole lot of times. You know, we got together for lunch, we got together afterwards, and, and uh, you know, we weren't a bunch of college frat boys by any means, but, you know, we were, we were growing with our families, and we were all about the same age. Our families got along very well when we weren't there, and it was just a, it was a great time. We turn our attention now from players to executives, but before we do that, I want to remind you that the Cardinals host the Pirates August 9th through the 11th, and we've got you covered head-to-toe promotional giveaways all weekend long. I mean, quite literally, head-to-toe. Check this out. The Cardinals tank top, mesh back hat, and Cardinals socks, all giveaways at the gate that weekend. That's August 9th through the 11th. Tickets at cardinals.com slash promotions. And if you want to see pictures of those items, head on over to cardinals.com slash promotions as well. All right, Walt Jockety is the GM who built that club in 2004. He did a fair amount of wheeling and dealing in the winter to kind of get that team where they wanted it, and they also added Larry Walker in 2004 as well. That was a big, big trade for that club. Let's talk about that with Walt Jockety on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Just being back here, seeing all these guys, what's that like for you, uh, just to look around the room? Well, it's just a lot of great memories. You know, we had some, we were able to spend some time last night during the game with the guys and, and then having lunch today and, and then going into the evening. Just so many fun times and memories with this group. Just a great bunch of players, great bunch of guys, and uh, it's just been fun to, to see everyone. You oversaw some great teams, not just in Cardinal history, but the history of baseball here. But that team winning 105 games, how was it maybe unique or had a different feel? Well, I think um, that team was, was I think, probably the best team we had while I was here. Just the whole makeup of the team. You know, when we can add a guy like Larry Walker at the trade deadline to an already formidable lineup uh, with the pitching we had and just with Tony, and he had a great coaching staff. It was just a, it was a unique time, I think, in, in uh, Cardinal history, and I think that uh, uh, for me it was fun just to, it, you know, at the time, I was telling the guys last night, it's, it's hard to really enjoy what you're doing because you're, you're so wrapped up in it and you're so worried about winning and, and so forth. But now as, you, as I look back on it, reflect on, on the time we had here, it was a terrific time, great period of time in our life. Obviously, every year that you go to spring, you're trying to build a ball club that can win a championship. But was there a point that you looked at things and said, I mean, this team really has a chance to be historically good? Well, I think, yeah, in spring training, uh, you know, I don't know if we thought it would be a 105-win team, but we, we thought it was a, certainly a team that's going to, uh, should be able to keep, compete for the division and, and hopefully win the division uh, and then see what happens after that. But it was, uh, uh, you know, you could just, because it's just the, the makeup of the club. When you look around the infield, you have Pujols and Womack and, and Renteria and Roland Matheny and uh, the outfield with Edmonds and, and um, uh, Reggie and Langford. And then, like I said, adding, adding uh, Walker later in the rotation with Carpenter and Morris and, and Supon and um, it's just a, a great, uh, great team, and so we, we had a real good feeling about it. But you never feel confident until you get closer to the end. 
it, I'm sure that you know every offseason was busy, but that one seemed especially busy. When you had kind of looked at that at the end of 03 and thought about the club, what were the things that winter you were thinking, okay, I need to go out and accomplish this to make the team what I wanted? Well, I think we just we wanted to continue to uh, add offense and, and pitching as much as we could, but it was uh, you're always looking at ways to tweak your club and try to make it better. And uh, sometimes you just don't know what's going to be available and what you're going to be able to afford to acquire. But um, you know, we had a good staff, and we, we uh, sat down with great scouts, and we, we were able to uh, fill in the pieces that we thought we, we needed to finish off the team. Yadier Molina's first year, that year in 2004. What's your most vivid memory of Yadi and his time coming up and making his debut? Well, I think the main thing with Yadi was uh, you could just see that this kid had great defensive uh, uh, ability and that he was going to be a, a premier defensive player at some point after he got more experience. And I think, you know, eventually we felt he was going to hit, which he did. And uh, But he was just a fun, exciting kid. And, you know, I, I always tell people the one thing that really bothered me was, you know, uh, there are certain publications that rank the top 50, top 100 players. And Yadier wasn't in the top 100 prospects at the time. And it really, I, I couldn't understand why, because as it's turned out, he is certainly in the top 100 uh, players in, in the game. I'm sure we could apply this to any year, but the significance of Tony and what he was able to do, I mean, taking the parts that you gave him, but then the way that he made it work for 162-plus games. Well, Tony's a master, and, you know, he knows how to get the most out of his team, out of his players. He knows when to rest him, when to play him. And, uh, you know, he, and he was always meticulous in how he put his, his lineups together and, and how he ran the ball game. But, you know, he always told me, you give me a team that get, get us close to September, we'll find a way to win. And, and he always did. And uh, he just, he's a, he's a master at that. Coming off the Edmonds home run in game six, you're facing Roger Clemens in game seven of that NLCS. Were you nervous as the GM driving into the ballpark that morning? Oh, absolutely. I, I was nervous every game, but probably more so that one because that, uh, you know, was a formal opponent. And... Uh, uh, but our guys rose to the occasion. We, we ended up uh, winning it and, and uh, went on. So it was, uh, but it's always, uh, you know, again, that's what I'm telling you. You can't really, it's hard to enjoy at the time because of the, at the time, at the moment, it's, it's just so uh, pressure, yeah, so much pressure that, uh, but now again, you look back at it, it was just a terrific time. And then the final question, 105 wins, several Cardinal teams have done that, only one though has more than that. For you to be able to associate your name with history in that way, in the scope of the game, what, what's that mean to you? Well, just being associated with this franchise means a lot to me, and, and the, the history and the, um, the, the success that this organization had, the success I was able to have while I was here, uh, had you know great cooperation from the ownership group. and. Uh, being able to put things together the way we felt we had to. Uh, so it, it, it gives me a great sense of pride as I look back on my career. And this was uh, certainly one of the more, uh, uh, probably one of the favorite times of my, my career in, in baseball. And, and a lot of great memories as demonstrated here with this group here. It's just a great bunch of guys. I feel like if you're talking about Cardinal history and you talk about Jockety, you also have to talk about Tony LaRussa. Of course, Tony, I mean, literally thousands of games managed between the south side of Chicago, Oakland, and here in St. Louis. One of the winningest managers in the history of the sport. 
But that 2004 team, he was pretty candid. That was a special team, and it was different. Not necessarily better, but different than a lot of, of his other teams. I think the quote was he would put that lineup up against anybody. And I could see why, the way that they were able to score. We talk about Tony La Russa and the, the kind of vibe that he set from the first day of spring training. Some of the players saying his poise and his calculated stance and look at the way that they needed to win and win series got them to that 105 wins in 2004. We talk about that now with TLR. I know the rotation that year was kind of unique in that they would watch each other's bullpens. How did that come about? Great team leadership. Great respect for their pitching coach, Dave Duncan. You know, Dave, Dave always believed in the unit within the unit. You had the starter unit, you had the bullpen unit, and you're all part of the same staff, part of the bigger team. But, uh, you know, they all took their responsibility, and they had a healthy competition. They all wanted to be better than the next guy uh, or the last guy. But if they watched each other, uh, it was an expression of, we care for you. And just in case they could see, you know, they were like assistant pitching coaches for Dave. You know, he's dropping his arm a little bit too much, or maybe maybe he's tipping. Very healthy. The lineup that year was so good. I know the fans felt like you guys could score on command, and even some of the guys today said, yeah, we felt that in the clubhouse too. How did that lineup compare to other years that you managed here? Well, I, I've uh, been asked that. Uh, you know, in Chicago, the year we won 83, we had – you know, we had Carlton Fisk and Greg Lozinski, Harold Baines, and uh, you know, Ron Kittle. Oakland, very similar to that team. Oh, four, we had the MV3s. But we also had Renteria. We had Reggie Sanders. You know, we had Tony Womack. I mean, we had, and then we had Larry Walker at the end. So it was a lot like Oakland. I mean, we did have a chance to score every inning because of the depth of the lineup with what uh, Walt did in the offseason to, to bring in some of those pieces and then even Larry Walker midseason. As you're seeing that roster come together as a manager, what was that like knowing the potential that was there? Well, the offseason, he was always very smart. And I, you know, I know he always gets credit. He had a good staff, good scouts. But we always felt when the season, when spring training started, that we were better than the year before. And that always energizes you when you're trying to get a team to practice right and get started opening day when you feel you have a chance. And he, and he was remarkable, his record for making deals right at the end of July or in the, early in August. We knew that if we earned it, uh, he and I'm sure Bill always checkmarked, hey, yeah, let's go for it. We knew we would get the help. So it's a very healthy vibe down the clubhouse to have that kind of support. Game seven of the NLCS, Supon, Clemens. For you as a manager, I mean, that level of competition has to be a lot of fun. What was, what was managing that game like? Well, it's, uh, yeah, it's a dream come true to be part of game seven. We had one in 96 championship series, and, and you know, uh, we, we gave up runs early, and it was, it was no contest. Uh, later on, of course, as you know, we had a couple in, in uh, 06 and 11. But... Uh, you wake up in the morning, you know it's, it's the best there is. Houston that year was very, very good. It was a great series. And you have Roger Clemens. But Soup had already proven that you know he was afraid of no one. And we knew we had a really good team. We thought we got a shot. Um, since we had been frustrated in, in uh, 2000 and 2002 by uh, losing the championship series and not going to World Series, to win that game to this day is one of the happiest days 
I can remember in uniform because as a St. Louis Cardinal can say we are nationally champions going to the World Series. We didn't talk to him about it, but John Mosaic was the scouting director that year in 2004. I think that's kind of a fun fact, and it was neat to see him meet and greet some of the players from that season. Of course, I'm sure that he knows them more probably from the guys that were around uh, in the early part of his time as GM, but I'm sure Rub doubles a little bit with them as scouting director as well in that season. It was fun to have uh, a, a seat to kind of get to watch Mo experience that and see him greet those guys as well. Hey, that's it for our show today. You can contact me via email, podcast with an S at cardinals.com. We appreciate any positive ratings or reviews that you leave us, Apple Podcast or anywhere else that you listen. We're back with you next week. Until then, for everybody that you heard from here, my name is Brett McMillan. We'll catch you next time on the Cardinals Insider Podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.